Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Ask Alika. Today is the second part of our live killer case study series on Beats by Dre. I spoke last week on the marketing tactics that Beats use to dominate the market. Uh, and today, Brendan Cockrum is sharing. He's doing a live killer case study on uh, why Apple bought Beats by Dre for $3 billion. And he gives some tips on you know, how to sell a company um, and do it the right way. So he gives a few pointers. He talks about what Beats did well, what they didn't do well, uh, and he gives some pointers as to how you can apply that to the local market, right? If you are selling your business. So some really cool tips in this one. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Thanks guys, thanks for coming. Welcome to this evening. Um, I'll, similar template, I guess. I'll start with a little bit about Octavian and myself and then we'll get straight into this. I'm mindful that I'm standing between you and the bar at the moment, so I'll keep this relatively brief. Um, but Octavian, what do we do? We're a transaction advisory service, so we help businesses either uh, buy other businesses or we help business owners or clients divest out of their businesses. Uh, typically, we are trading in the two to $20 million price bracket, um, which, is, which is referred to as the, the mid-market. Myself, uh, I bought my first business when I was 19 and uh, since then have been involved uh, in one capacity or another in sort of north of uh, sort of 50 transactions over the last 10 years. Some of those my own, the vast majority of those other people's, so our clients. Um, and so I guess I've, I've had exposure to the transaction world when it comes to these private assets from uh, an investor's point of view, from a seller's point of view, and from an advisor's point of view. And um, as most people would, would say, most people that are in involved in our marketplace at least would suggest that it doesn't really matter where you're sitting, it is a tough market. It's a complicated market. It's a difficult place to, to trade assets. Um, that's another presentation. I won't get into it uh, today. Um, I want to get straight into what we are here to talk about. So Apple and Beats. We've just heard from Zion <coughs> some of the strategies that Beats went through to build their brand effectively, and they did that very well from the time that they started their business in 2008. And then everybody knows and, and recognizes Apple. So what I want to focus on today um, is why in 2014 Apple bought Beats, essentially. What's, the, what's some of the underlying reasons that that transaction made sense for both Apple and Beats? Why did it make sense in 2014? And why did it make sense for $3 billion, essentially? Um, the reason I want to focus on that fundamental question, why, is because that's a question that we're faced with every day in the transactions that we're working with. We're really trying to flesh out why does this deal make sense for this particular party? Why does it make sense for that particular party? And if it doesn't really make sense for both, you're just likely not going to get there. Um, because it is a, a complex and drawn out process, transacting a business. A um, little bit about the three billion, I guess before I get into it, there is a funny story about uh, the initial offer was essentially 3.2 billion, and there is a documentary that refers to this on Netflix called The Defiant Ones. If you get a chance, you should watch it. Uh, but essentially, there was a confidentiality breach uh, on the eve of the deal being announced. Um, so the deal was signed on a Friday. <clears throat> there was a confidentiality breach over the weekend, and the deal was withdrawn on the Monday by Apple. And the breach was one of the executives at Beats 
did a video of himself. He'd been drinking, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, I, I contemplated playing it, but the, the language is quite colorful. Um, referring to himself as the first billionaire in hip hop and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and we all know how secretive Apple can be. Um, but it does underscore, I guess, the importance of confidentiality throughout all of these transactions. It's fundamental uh, to what we do. Be warned, keep the circle as small as you possibly can. Um, but needless to say, we're going to go through some of the reasons why Apple really needed to come back to the table, despite all of that. They did shave a little bit off the purchase price, of course, $200 million. Um, so an expensive weekend out. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> is what it is. So we'll start with a little bit about the acquisitions that Apple has been through historically. So that's a map of some of their more significant acquisitions. They've always been in the business of buying businesses. Um, like a lot of the big tech companies, they use acquisitions as sort of an extension of their R&D department. So if there's something that their guys have missed, they'll buy essentially either technology or talent. Um, fundamentally, that's what they're, what they're seeking to acquire. You can see the standout there is Beats. So Beats is six times larger than anything else they've ever invested in. And it's also, interestingly, the only business that continues to operate as a standalone brand. Most of the time they buy, they shut down, and they just internalize that team and that technology within their business. The only one that's uh, probably closest is the first one there, which is Next, um, which is a $400 million acquisition, which came with uh, an executive that proved to be very important to the business moving forward, uh, namely Steve Jobs. So he, he actually defected from Apple early in the piece and was brought back into the business fire acquisition. So they have a, a history of acquiring talent and key executives, and you'll see uh, that that's going to become very important as to why they paid $3 billion for Beats shortly. But a little bit about Apple. So Zion touched on um, a few things about the Apple brand being very closely affiliated with music. Um, a lot of people don't realize that Apple is actually the biggest music retailer on the planet. Um, they overhauled the entire industry when they brought out the, the iPod and changed the distribution model essentially for music into a digital distribution business. That was a very, very hard fought battle for them by all accounts with all of the, the big music execs basically blocking them every step of the way. Um, but the prize was the biggest retail platform for music on the planet, and it continues to be that today. So everybody recognized Apple for, for their hardware, but the truth is they are very much a, a music business, and their brand has benefited, as Zion said, from the culture elements that music brings to the table. So you'll see them constantly championing things like Beatles is now on the iTunes store. That's just them trying to absorb the Beatles brand into the Apple brand and get all the goodwill that comes with it. So don't challenge Apple's music dominance, essentially. That's where it's, it's a, it, it is the sort of the jewel of the crown to some extent and it's how they've got a lot of their hardware business up and running. A little bit about Beats. So founded in 2008, um, essentially as a licensed business. So yes, they, they're known for selling uh, hardware, so headphones primarily, but they're really just a someone else will manufacture it and we'll stick our brand on it business, which is a very high margin business typically. So when they started, they had a uh, manufacturing deal with a company named Monster that morphed into another one with HTC, which you may have seen back in the day, all of the HTC phones were actually branded with a Beats logo. 
And it was through these licensing agreements that they built their business. All they really had to do was execute the branding. And as we've heard, they did it incredibly well. So they did one thing very, very well, which is what Jimmy Iovine is known for doing. He's, he's one of the most powerful executives from a music point of view in the world. What does he do? He does licensing agreements, which is essentially what the music industry is, and he brands them and markets them incredibly well. It's exactly what he did here, same model. Um, but they're not about manufacturing. Uh, for the most part. That's Jim Irvine up the top there. So arguably the most powerful music exec in the world. Brought us uh, Bruce Springsteen, U2, I mean, you name it, he's probably got a finger in it in some capacity. It's Lady Gaga more recently, um, plus the whole hip hop scene with Dr. Dre and Eminem and all of those kind of artists. But these are the core assets that Apple's probably interested in, in terms of acquiring Beats. So they've got Beats by Dre, which is their hardware business, that's the, the headphones. They've got Beats Music, which is a music subscription service, which is going to become very, very important when Apple do this deal. But interestingly, is almost irrelevant in terms of the revenue that it brings in and the, the size of that particular um, asset within their, their broader business. All the money that they make is really through that one. Um, but Jimmy Irvine is at the helm and, uh, and he's trying to make this business as profitable as it can. And they decided in 2012 essentially to shift their strategy. So they moved from allowing the likes of HTC and Monster to manufacture their headphones to, to try to in-house that manufacturing facility. So that is a massive shift in, in the way that that business operates. And for anybody that's in the manufacturing space would know that it is very capital intensive. It's a huge risk, essentially, for a business that has no idea how to do manufacturing, ultimately. So it is huge amounts of stock. It is way more labor. I think at the time they had under 20 staff or something in the business. So it was a very profitable business, but it was a very small business. In order to take on manufacturing, you need a lot of personnel, you need a lot of capital. So they took on a significant amount of debt. And leading into the transaction uh, with Apple, <clears throat> it's a private business, so we don't know a lot of the detail, but it was rumored that they were in a pretty, pretty rough shape, essentially. The balance sheet was very heavy. There was a hell of a lot of debt being carried on at the time. Um, and so there was a strong impetus for them to do a deal. Uh, Fundamentally, they needed a new partner in the manufacturing game. Uh, who's the best at manufacturing electronics? Obviously, it's Apple. Uh, but Apple doesn't do licensing deals. You're never going to get someone else's logo on, a, on an Apple product. Apple barely brand it with their own product, their own Apple half the time. So um, it was either sell out to Apple or find someone else. So we know the driver is definitely there uh, for Beats to do a deal. But that doesn't necessarily explain why they got such a good price for the business. I mean, you think that the negotiating power is really all on Apple's side at that point. If they had an interest in taking over Beats, they would have got it at an absolute bargain. A lot of pundits suggest that they paid maybe three times what they should have in this instance. The business was valued at a billion dollars um, only, only eight months before Apple wrote that check. So there must be something else at play. So we've looked at some of the internal reasons as to why it makes sense for Apple. Um, so they've, they've got strong uh, brand. The, the brands are, are very much in the same space. They're kind of counterculture. Um, Apple is all about music. 
They're already selling the headphones through their Apple store. There's a few reasons why it makes sense, but probably not enough to catalyze a $3 billion check. These guys, not in the best shape they could be because of this bet that they've made on trying to in-house their, um, their manufacturing. But you can't really talk about this story unless you talk about these guys, because this is ultimately potentially what pushed Apple into the acquisition mode. And this was a shift in the distribution model of music that Apple completely missed. So this is the rise of music streaming. If you remember when the iPod was launched, it was 100 songs in your pocket was a value proposition. Oh, sorry, 1,000 songs in your pocket was a value proposition. All of them bought diligently through the iTunes store. Um, these guys came out and said 30 million songs in your pocket. Give us 10 bucks a month and you can listen all you want. It's a game changer from the consumer's point of view. No one really thought they would get it there. It, given the battle that Apple went through, they just thought there's no way, this is, this is a completely different monetization model, but they did. Um, and coming into when the acquisition took place, Spotify had already been at this game for 15 years. So Apple was very, very late to the streaming business. So Spotify's launched in 2006. Beats Music launched their music streaming service in 2014. Sorry if that's a little bit small. Um, and Apple acquires them for $3 billion mid-2014. What this acquisition really represents is Apple's recognition that they missed the streaming business and it caught their iTunes business completely off guard. This is what they've done since then. And this is how you can see that this, tra this transaction has really worked out well for both Beats and Apple. So Apple takes over Beats Music, <clears throat> essentially rebrands it and launches Apple Music. Uh, it's, it's essentially, literally, it looks the same. The click and feel is pretty much the same. In the space of two and a half years, they've recovered their streaming service business. And as of 2018, they have eclipsed Spotify in paid subscribers. So they've done in two and a half years on the back of the acquisition of Beats what it took 15 years for Spotify to do. This is a clear accelerant and obviously an external force which has pushed Apple into acquisition mode. They missed it. Um, Jimmy Iovine did a, uh, that, that's it guys, so Jimmy Iovine actually did a, an interview three days after the, the deal closed with Beats and uh, at Recode, that's actually the, the photo that I showed you, and they asked him straight out, how did this all come together? How did you make this happen? How did you get this $3 billion check? He said, honestly, I got lucky. To some extent, he did. He was in the right place at the right time and Apple was on the ropes. Uh, but he also built a tremendous business. He also built a brand that was so strong that despite the fact that Apple shut down every single business since they bought them, uh, they couldn't shut it down. It was too powerful. It was too big of a presence in the market. So what have we got here? I guess just in summary, guys, we'll get back to the bar. Um, we've got two businesses with very clear reasons why an acquisition made sense. So I'd, in, uh, I'd encourage you, if you're ever engaged in a transaction, before you do so, understand your why. Understand why you're at the table. Why does the transaction make sense for you? Once you've crystallized that and clarified that for yourself, try to understand why this transaction makes sense for your counterpart. If you can get clarity on both of those positions, you're set up for a, a successful transaction. If you miss those, you can find that things can derail pretty quickly. That's it, thanks.